the Christianity isn't this thing where you like try super hard. And then if you sin, well, you just need to try a little bit harder. Hi again, everyone. Welcome to another episode. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast, where we hear incredible testimonies from everyday people on how God radically changed their hearts. My guest today dropped in from Cambridge, Ontario. He was born in Zambia and moved to Welland, Ontario and is now a church planting multiplier for E3 Ministries. What does that even mean? I don't know, but let's find out. And welcome, Greg Whitfield. Hey, hey. Hey, bro. How's it going? Good, you? Good. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. And it's good to see you. Thanks for taking time to, to come and see us. I know you're swinging out of our beautiful city of Peterborough on your way home. So appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, man, it's been good, except for having to pay cash everywhere. That's <laughs> how we roll. We're old school here in Peterborough. We like it. I don't even know where my bank card is. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Dude, um, man, let's jump right into it. Zambia. Yeah. Like, let's hear about that. How are you? How are you born in Zambia? Yeah. Um, my parents were missionaries there for six years. And, uh, yeah, they met in Thunder Bay, went on missions. Uh, it was like a, it's an orphanage, a hospital and a school that my dad taught at. And that's where my brother and I were born. So I'm the youngest of the three and I was born there near the end of the six years. So I was only there for like as a baby. And then, uh, my family moved to Ontario, Kingsville, and then like a few months later, Welland. So you obviously don't remember obviously being there. No, but I do like my first memory is being on a plane. Um, so it would have been somewhere between when we left Zambia when I was nine months to like one and a half or two years old. Uh, and because my parents traveled around a lot on the way home, like, so I learned how to walk in Papua New Guinea. I swam like naked in the ocean in Hawaii as a one year old, stuff like that. Oh, wild. Yeah. I, I love Africa, man. I'd love to go there. I've been a couple of places, but I would love to go there. would love to go everywhere, but it's, it's awesome. And, and people told Heather and I, make sure you travel before you have kids. And, uh, so our oldest is nine. So about 10 years ago, uh, we went back to Zambia and it was amazing. Um, so uh, like no memories like for me. Right. But as I was meeting people, they're like, Oh no way. You know, Oh, Lawrence Whitfield, you know, they, they called my dad, uh, the American who knew how to speak Tonga. Oh wow. So, Cause by the end of the six years he was preaching in, in Tonga, like the native tongue. And yeah. And that was, that was awesome just to go back, see where I was born and stuff. That's amazing. Dude, so your parents were missionaries. So when they came back here and when you grew up, what, what were they doing and what was that like for you? Yeah, well, they, so they only did the six years as mission on missions. And then when we got back to Ontario, my dad became a computer programmer manager and he just worked in that scene for his career. So I, I always like had a heart for Africa and mission and stuff, knowing that that's where I came from. Um, at the same time, I didn't have that upbringing. Like I wasn't like, I don't think of myself as a missionary kid because that, that was like when they stopped uh, being missionaries was just when I was a baby. So, so um, then obviously, well, not obviously per se, but your parents were attending church. You grew up going to church and whatnot. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in the church, a uh, place called Church of Christ. It's like, it's non-denominational, but it's a denomination. So I like calling it the non-denominational denomination because <laughs> <laughs> it's like every church is autonomous. Um, there's no real hierarchy and stuff. 
so yeah, so my parents went to uh, the Welland Church of Christ, and that's where I was. I grew up. Awesome, awesome. So now, at what point did your faith become your own? Um, yeah, that's that's a hard question to answer because as young as I can remember. I, I really had a heart for God and just love God. It feels like from birth, my first Bible I got when I was five and I remember just like really cherishing it and, um, you know, sitting there not knowing what was happening at church, like not understanding the sermon or anything, but you know, I, 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 it brought me comfort and even just sitting there, I was like, I want to know God more like in my heart, right. As a young kid, like five years old. And, um, I would even like, you know, there was pictures in that kid's Bible with like a sentence at the bottom. And I had a little notebook and I would just like write out that sentence and uh, copy it out and just wanted to know God wanted to know uh, what it says in the Bible. So, so yeah, when did faith become my own? I think, you know, in a way it was like ever since. And uh, I never kind of had to, you know, I never went through this like few years of, Oh wait, this was my parents' faith. It's not my own. I never actually went through that. Hmm. I don't know if uh, listeners, you heard that meow and cat got into our studio somehow, but you were asking about plugging some. Let's just get it out of the way now. Yeah. So we, our cat had four kittens, <laughs> and we're trying to sell them, and they're cute as ever. And I, I want them out of my house. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the, I'm just a plug. If you're in the Cambridge area. And you want a cute little six-week-old kitten, we'll be selling them in a couple weeks from now. If you are a cat person, you can PM Greg Whitfield. We'll Mm -hmm. leave all the links. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, man. So um, we're talking a little bit up in the green room there before we came down the studio here about uh, your your first gig teaching just pre-going to Bible school. Can you talk about how you got into that? or Yeah, teaching... uh, Like, so yeah, I mean, I got into the Bible, um, and like when I was in, when I was a teen, I went to Christian high school and, uh, I started reading the Bible a lot when I was about, uh, grade 10, grade 11, uh, to the point where I couldn't put it down. Like I was reading it during the classes, high school classes and everything. And, um, it was a Christian high school, so they couldn't tell me not to read the Bible during math class. Right. (laughs) And, uh, so, and then like it just, every verse was making such an impression on my heart, um, that I would, I would take that verse and just have to go share it with some of the other, my friends at high school. Right. So before I knew it, I would have a group sitting around a picnic table and just a simple scripture. That's like, you know, not here to please men, but God who tests our hearts. And I'd be like, guys, like, you know, just bringing that verse and being like, we got to be pleasing God. Like who cares what people think? And, uh, and more and more through my high school years, I, I learned that God had called me as a teacher. And there were times where I'd literally had like 30 people in my basement and we would just like go through a chapter of the Bible together. Um, it, there was no strategy or anything. It was just all out of the overflow, right? Of like, of like, like loving the word and wanting to get it to other people. Um, so, and then that like teaching call and gift would lead, it would continue to kind of carry through with me all the way till today, I guess, um, where, um, whatever context I was in, I wanted to bring the teaching of the word. So that was high school. Right. But then after that, 
I started working with developmentally handicapped individuals and really wanted to bring the word. And then I, you know, wanted to bring the word to my coworkers and those who weren't Christian, I really wanted them to know Jesus as well. So that it was coupled with this call uh, for evangelism where, you know, I remember being 15 and I was at a youth rally and I had read first Corinthians nine that become all things to all men in order to, to win as many as possible. And that it got such a hold of my heart. It became my life verse where I was like, this is what I want to do for. And I remember at this youth rally, we were handed out sheets of paper asking, what's your life goal? And I don't know what they, the, the whole exercise was about, but I remember writing down to win as many as possible and handing the sheet back. And, uh, so yeah, ministry of the word and gospeling, uh, high school, and then into working with handicapped people. And, uh, and then to Bible college. So had you had you had a, a hope or plan to go to Bible college or what, what sort of, I mean, up until a bunch of years ago, I didn't even know what Bible college was. Yeah. So was that a plan of yours or something that was in your heart in high school or what? Not, not really. At the same time, I was like, I couldn't put the Bible down uh, when I was like 15, 16. I also wanted to be a teacher like in a school or a cop or something. Like that was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And a couple people, like teachers of this, this Christian high school, they tap me on the shoulder and they're like, Hey, like you, you got to go into ministry. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, maybe I will. And, and the second they said it, it's just like, no, wait, uh, yeah, this is who I am. So my sister had gone to Abilene Christian in Texas. And as I was graduate, graduating grade 12, I thought, okay, I'll just follow her, do the same thing. And, uh, and around that same time, a friend of mine was like, Hey, if you go to Great Lakes Bible college in Waterloo, you could live at my parents' house across the street for free. And I'm like looking at, you know, all of the logistics and money to go to Texas versus this Bible college in Waterloo and free living and stuff. And I'm like sold, like I'll go to Waterloo and get a, you know, go for a bachelor of theology. And, uh, that's what I did. Um, so yeah, four year course and, uh, and then like out of there near the end of it, still had this passion for evangelism. Um, didn't know how to do evangelism really. Like I kind of was trying it out. And uh, my friend was just recounting the other day how, you know, like green we were with it, where like during Bible college days, walking into a little Caesars and tapping the guy on the shoulder in front of us in line and being like, Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And the guy's <laughs> like, no, <laughs> and he turns back around. Um, so, so the heart was there, right. But like zero skills. And, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where I was at that time. So did you come out of there and did you want to be a pastor or what were your hopes coming out of Bible college to do? Yeah. Having, having a heart still for evangelism there, two of my teachers, they, they also had hearts for evangelism and specifically church planting. So, and my, the one teacher, he, you know, lived in Waterloo his whole life, pretty much, or his whole career life. And he, he meant, he said this, this line, I've always wanted to start a church in Cambridge, he said. And, um, I was near the end of Bible college and I just latched onto that. And I was like, that, that could be me. Like I could, you know, this vision that for him probably won't happen. Maybe it could. So, uh, so God put a group of people together. Um, and you know, we were maybe 12 or 15 and just parachuted into Cambridge, no clue what we were doing. And we're like, we're here to start a church. And uh, 
So yeah, that was what, 2005, 2006, 2007. And uh, also right around the time I was getting married. So, so Heather and I moved to Cambridge and we just met in like an apartment and homes. And uh, that's, that's really what started me on like, you know, church planting and, and like this now, you know, a full-time ministry of evangelism. Like, so I went out and support raised and, you know, some money came in and now I'm like minister of this church startup, simple church. And, uh, and we, yeah, met in homes. Very first thing we did was this like park outreach where we went and handed out flyers around the neighborhood and like three people came and we had like, you know, 50 hamburgers and hot dogs ready. But these three people, it was like, okay, this is the beginning of reaching out to the community. And at that same time, a friend of mine from Youth for Christ contacted me and he said, hey, you guys just started a church in Cambridge. Um, a Youth for Christ just started in Cambridge too. You should go check that out. And I'm like, I was open, right? I'm like, you know, wherever we can go and get the gospel in. Turns out that the apartment we moved into and the Youth for Christ Youth Center was like pretty much across the street. So I went there to the Youth for, Youth for Christ, became a volunteer. The church moved in there and started meeting there Sunday mornings. We would have like 20 to 25 kids come in, like for church. We fed them breakfast on Sunday morning. We couldn't get through a church service because of all the interruptions. We're like taking communion and, we, and they're like, you know, saying out loud, shooters, look at the shooters. <laughs> and, and then giving them lunch. So we like figured all that um, stuff out and like, it was, it was fun. It was hard and, and interesting. And, and really it was like almost like really early on in the church plan, it, it, it kind of morphed into this like youth church. And, and then that would end up leading me more into youth for Christ than church planting. So, so just going back a little bit, because you had said you went out to get support, but when you came out and you had met your wife or you guys got an apartment, how were you, how were you making how are you making some earnings? Did you have a part-time job too? Or how do you get support yeah. when you don't belong to something like YFC, something known? Yeah. Um, so like in the churches of Christ there, I, I knew enough people. And so, and they knew that we were starting a church. So some of the money came from there as we just went and told people we were starting a church. So some of it was lump sum, like a few thousand. And some of it was people being like, hey, we'll give monthly. Um, but you weren't under any kind of a, you, you were going yeah. on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Not under. So I'm, I'm actually trying to remember like how that worked. Um, eventually the church would actually get incorporated and then, um, and then the money was able to go through that right in the church actually pay. Um, but the, and like youth for Christ happened so early on that this deal was struck where, the donors would give to Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ would pay my salary. And my role with Youth for Christ was like half, um, like when I became staff there, it was like half church minister, half youth center guy. And, uh, but in the early on days there, it, it was, I was also working at Christian Horizons. Um, so I started like in Niagara, working with handicapped people, um, developmentally handicapped, and then moved to, when we moved to C- Cambridge area, Christian Horizons and Bethesda are similar. So I got a job job at CH and uh, supported, you know, handicapped individuals at these residences as my part-time job. Um, So yeah, it was, it was like Christian Horizons part-time, church planter part-time, but then that quickly went to 
church planter part-time and youth for Christ part-time. Right. And so Christian horizons was just like a small stint. Right. So, okay. So how, how then did you transition into E3? Yeah. Or, or what was, what was in between those two things there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, youth for Christ, it, it grew and we, we expanded programs and staff were added on and it, it was, it became not just Cambridge, but Kitchener, Waterloo. And, uh, it was, yeah, th- those were, those were good days. And, um, I got like, I was in YFC for 12 or 13 years and more and more as time went on, I, I, you know, that same heart for like uh, church planting and this idea of like multiplying disciples and wanting to pour into people who already are believers um, to see them go and like make disciples and do this stuff. Uh, that, that heart grew so much in me that, that I was like, um, I, I, I felt the call of God out of youth for Christ because at this, by this time, and this is just like two or three years ago, um, you know, 2018, 2019, by that time, you know, the team had grown, programs had grown in Youth for Christ. And a lot of my role was like networking, fundraising, vision casting, all this stuff. And, and, and I realized, and meetings and all that, right? And it was funny when I started in YFC, I'm like, I'll never be in meetings, never do fundraising. <laughs> and the guy, actually, the director who hired me laughed. Like, he's just like, good luck with that. And that became all I was doing. And I just realized kind of how far away I had gotten from that same heart, right? Like when I was 15 years old, when I graduated Bible college, started that church in Cambridge, um, that by the way, eventually would, would close its doors um, because it was just too much like a, trying to, you know, fit a square peg in a round hole where the church's identity needed to be on its own. It wasn't going to become like a, be a youth church. Right. But I personally was moving more in the direction of like full-time youth for Christ. Um, so the church ended up disbanding and stuff and, you know, lessons were learned. Um, and uh, it's all just part of the journey. Right. So, um, yeah. And then, so at the end of my time in YFC, like two or three years ago, I, I was like, Hey, meetings and fundraising, it's been good. Like I learned a ton you know, got, it grew like an administrative skill set, organizational leader skill set and stuff. But again, that same heart of, man, I just want to see disciples multiplying disciples, um, you know, and uh, of all ages, like not, not just youth um, and, and be equipping, you know, people who are believers, you know, not just going after like people who aren't believers um, with the gospel. And near the end of my time in, in Youth for Christ, I got to know Jeremy Dorton. And, and then, so as I was getting called out of YFC, everything in my, in my heart and, and my call was E3. So this one night as I was leaving YFC, I, I was up and I thought maybe I'll be a pastor of a church or something. And I got woken up by one of our crying babies at, at midnight and I couldn't go back to sleep till four. I was just God, God was speaking for four hours and I was listening, listening for his call And at 4 a.m., it was like clear as day, um, go, go to E3. So the next day I called Jeremy and I'm like, Hey man, you know, could I join E3? And then went through that process. And, uh, and then like, interestingly, like Jeremy didn't know like that much about me and I didn't know that much about E3. So like, it's nice to be able to say two years later, like on both sides, right? Him being like, Oh yeah, Greg's a good fit. And me being like, wow, E3 it like was totally my call through and through. 
And, uh, right. And it's the three E's like evangelism, equip- equipping existing believers and establishing churches. And, uh, that, that is my heart. Like that, that is my passion. And, uh, so I started with E3 technically January of 2020 and then two months later, COVID came. And so like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a ride. Interesting. Um, we were talking upstairs a bit. Well, first of all, actually, can you, you said that night that one of your kids woke up crying and you were up till four and God was speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you put into words, can you describe that? Well, like what, what is that like for you when God's speaking to you? Yeah, man. Um, for me personally, God speaking usually is a mixture of, you know, different thoughts I have and questions and wondering about stuff. And, um, how do I describe it? Zooming out from my, my own thoughts, you know, and just kind of like sitting and waiting. So, cause I'm a thinker, right? Like, you know, logical, analytical, I, I can, you know, sometimes overthink for sure. And, uh, but listening to God is like, is like taking hands off, like zooming out of all that thinking process and, and be, becoming in this blank space where I'm just like, it's kind of like just a white sheet of paper ready for there to be writing down on it, but it, it's not going to be my thoughts. So just sitting there in silence and waiting and waiting and waiting. So it was interesting, right? Because all of my thoughts, like that started the listening, was like maybe a pastor at this church, maybe a pastor at that church. And it was like pastor, pastor, pastor. And then when I transitioned into, okay, I've thought enough. And then God, you know, what do you have for me? And just sitting in silence and literally just listening in my mind and in my heart. And then just dropped in, like, you know, just dropped in E3. And, uh, and I also knew like part of how I knew that was from God is because it wasn't like just this complete, like logical, you know, path of how, where my thinking was at. And, uh, the one time, like, you know, this one, the one, this one time around this season, actually, that I heard from God where there was zero thinking, I went in the forest on a prayer walk. And just as I described, usually listening starts with my own thoughts and then taking hands off and zooming out. But this time I walk into the forest. I'd only been in there for about five minutes. I wasn't thinking anything. I was out, I was kind of just enjoying the sounds of nature and it just dropped out of the sky as business fails. My power through you will increase. And, and it's been a, it's been a word. Like I stood still for about five minutes when I heard that and I didn't know what it meant. And to this day, I don't really know exactly what it means. And, but it's been, it was a word that God gave me to carry me through the season for who knows how long is it the next 10 years? Is it the rest of my life? Um, and in different seasons, well, in the different kind of seasons in the last two to three years, that word has taken on different nuances of meaning, um, which pretty much all of them amount to, you know, like man's ways and man's strategies. You know, the more I get into that, um, the less of God and his power, right. But the more I, you know, just lean into prayer and, um, and press into being filled with the spirit in surrender and walking in obedience, then the more, the more the power of God will come. And, uh, so yeah, like again, that, that it's, it's rare, but, uh, but yeah, that time there was like zero thinking lead up. It was just boom, like hit me like lightning and it carries me to this day. And that surrender piece is so, is so critical. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's interesting. 
I, I know for me here, and I just wanted you, uh, thanks for sharing that. Cause just, you know, for whoever's listening and, you know, maybe we take it for granted that everybody will claim to hear from God or what mm-hmm. that looks like, but mm-hmm. we can hear from God, right? That's all part of the personal relationship. Yeah. So just to encourage people, I know for me, I know when it's my thoughts, cause they're all selfish, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, <clears throat> is one of the indicators. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking in the green room, and I hate using this word because I don't like these words, but they are words, right? But we were talking about some of the your differences or your change from, say, the charismatic. Mm, yeah, right? the words. Which, which I find a funny word because we kind of <laughs> tend to throw that at Christianity. But yeah. if you've watched a hockey game, you'd say those people are pretty charismatic. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like to say heaven is going to be charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So um, we, we, right. We were talking about yeah. that, about a uh, change in you. And so can you describe where you were mm-hmm. with those things? Then what you saw? Yeah, man. Um, so I grew up in a church culture and theology that was pretty much say cessationalism, you know, the miracles died out with the apostles. So we're not going to see them through the hands of disciples today. And if there's a healing, like, right, because the churches I grew up in, you know, when it was prayer request time, a lot of them were for people's sicknesses and stuff. And then the person at the front would like pray through that list for so-and-so to be healed from something. And uh, so if there was a healing, it was like, oh, praise God. But, but it was like, it wasn't expected. Um, and it's it certainly in the theology and culture, it certainly wasn't something that the, that, that the disciple carries, Um, it's more like God's got his hand on the world and he may do it or whatever. And, uh, so for me, um, it was, I'm contemplative. It was a long journey. You know, I had to, I, I really just kind of sat there and watched, uh, you know, guys like Adam Shepsky and Marcel, friends of mine and like watched them for like five years, just going, Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And like asking them question after question after question. And, um, and still just going, Hmm, I don't know you know, and, uh, having some debates and stuff at the same time th- I had like, as I mentioned earlier, like a handle on scripture and there was enough scriptures that would continually pop up, right? Like John fourteen twelve. you know, anyone who believes in me, um, will do the works I do even greater works. And I just, I, I couldn't let, I couldn't like see those verses any other way. Um, you know, and, uh, so, so then I started to kind of open my heart to, well, maybe that's me. Um, you know, maybe this, this, this stuff is real. And, uh, and then I listened to Dan Moeller, uh, who I know has like rocked a lot of people's, uh, just how he communicates the gospel. I listened to him for two years straight driving around and, uh, he, he's all about identity, right? So right near one of the, his first teachings, he's like, you know, I'll be talking about healing but not yet. That's coming way later. First, we're just going to park an identity. And uh, so what was interesting was the more I heard his teaching on the gospel and identity and righteousness and this stuff, my sin started falling off. Hmm. And I started to really realize that, that like, well, I mean, how do you put it right? That I'm free. <laughs> I started to realize that like, I've been like, uh, I'm free from sin. And um, so... And then I'm like, wow. And I, I think because of that revelation and experience um, and, you know, it's like, wow, I'm not like 
the Christianity isn't this thing where you like try super hard. And then if you sin, well, you just need to try a little bit harder. Like, because that whole paradigm was taken out of the way and it's like, oh my goodness, it's righteousness, man. You know, like God's like actually Colossians two, like cut off my flesh, um, or like Galatians five, like crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Like those scriptures just became so, and I already knew them, right? But those scriptures became a reality in my life and in, in my heart. And when I saw the sin fall off and stuff and, and just my whole thinking, everything being renewed, then I was like, okay, what's he going to say about healing? And he taught on that. And then I was like, all right, this is for me. Like it, cause it flows out of identity. I've experienced the identity part. And, uh, and so now like, you know, I, I actually could go out and like pray for healing and see this. Um, cause Christ is in me. Right. Um, and what, what does that mean? It's not just like character growth. It's like Jesus is actually in you and you know, he's going to literally be doing his work that he does out in the world, you know, through, through your, my hands, through your hands. And, uh, so then I started stepping out. So my first, the first healing that I saw a couple of years ago, um, what I was sitting in a restaurant with Marcel and I saw a mom of the youth center. Like I knew I got to know their family well in Youth for Christ days. I saw her sitting across the restaurant and I walked up. I'm like, hey, what's up? Long time. And she I'm like, how are you? Right. And she's like, uh, she's like, my tooth is absolutely throbbing. T3s are doing nothing. It's been the most miserable day. And her daughter was sitting there with her. And uh, I was like, you mind if I like pray f- for you? And, and we always have a joking relationship. So she's like, yeah, what are you going to sit on my lap? And uh, <laughs> I was like, no, but I am going to put my hand on your cheek. And, uh, and so I did, and just said, pain go, um, maybe it was pain go in Jesus name. I forget. And, uh, and she looked like a deer in the headlights and her daughter goes, why do I feel goosebumps right now? Wow. And I was like, that's the Holy spirit. And, and the, and the mom, she was like, she was like just stunned. And then I was like, anyway, praise God. Um, you know, Jesus heals. I've been telling you about Jesus for the last few years. Now you experienced him. Went back to sit down with Marcel and I'm looking over at the table. She wasn't even eating her food. She just kept slowly opening her mouth. And, uh, and yeah, like the pain was completely gone. So, um, and then from that day forward, I was, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to step into this more, you know? And, uh, so like even a couple of weeks ago, um, I was out on a prayer walk in the forest and a couple walked by and the woman had a nine out of 10 headache, nine out of 10 pain, pen headache for the last two weeks straight, nonstop night and day. And I put my hand on her head and, you know, pain go, headache go. Um, and she's very spiritual. This is interesting. I go, is it better? She goes, she goes, no, but I know that it's going today. Um, she goes, I know now it's, it's going today. She said she's spiritual. She goes, I just felt a shift. And, uh, and so we texted the next day and she's like, yeah, it's gone. You know, my relatives think you're an angel and stuff. And now, you know, we have this, now we're going to go on a walk again. Um, I've got a, a friend who's a female disciple. She's going to come with me and we're going to go on a walk with this woman, same forest and just share the gospel. Right. Um, so Yeah. That's crazy. Hey, that's crazy. Um, I got a question for you on that, but before, before we get to that, I kind of made a little joke, uh, in the intro there, but church planting multiplier, (laughs) (laughs) what is that? Let's talk about that. And then, and then should I try to find some kind of a crazy 
title for me. <laughs> no, but tell tell like us it. about um, church planting multiplier. Like, what does that? Yeah. What what does that mean? What does that entail? You already have like a crazy awesome title of the Toddcast. <laughs> <laughs> so to eighteen other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So like, what is a church planter? Someone who starts a church. Uh, what is a church planting multiplier? Somebody who is going to help catalyze the starting of many churches, hence the word multiplier, um, start the cat, you know, catalyzing many churches. And that doesn't look like in our kind of what we see in Jesus and, and, you know, in the kingdom, um, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go and personally start 10 churches. Um, it doesn't even mean I'm going to go and find 10 church planters and help equip them and stuff to go plant, you know, a church and then there's 10. Um, but it, 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 multiplication means even if there's one or two people who like raise their hand and they're like, you know, God's called me to be a church planter. Um, and then I come alongside and equip them in that. The, the, the vision is that their, uh, church start will multiply into, you know, many more disciples made many more church starts, um, where there's this like generational, you know, uh, trend of disciples making disciples and churches starting churches. So yeah, that's my role. Right. And, and E3 is like both like it's a practicing organization where it's like, we're going to walk the talk and it's, uh, equipping. So coming alongside people like this. And of course you're not talking about planting a churches and finding a big building to occupy. Yeah. No, like just church, churches, family. Right. Um, so it's like the acts two model, like, you know, the, when the church first started, they're meeting in homes and stuff. Uh, and not to say it, it can't be a church building, um, and all of that, but we, we tend to use the, the phrase like simple church yeah. or like simple gathering. Um, you know, cause like what is at the end of the day, what is church? Um, it's just like disciples who are a family who gather together and go on mission together. And there's these different components that there, that are going to be within it. Right. Teaching, you know, Lord's supper, communion, uh, worship, etc. Yeah. And I find, uh, it's, it's good to have, well, for me anyways, a combination of both, right. You have that home church or small group or whatever you want to call it, where you're just your family. Mm. And then there's something to be said too about being in a big congregation and worship and, mm. you know, and hearing a great message from a pastor and stuff like that. So I know for me that, yeah. that you know, to find a balanced combination. Yeah, totally. It can be both. And like, you know, in, in my view, even if, if there's a big church and they, they start small groups and one of those small groups become like this, this gathering that multiplies disciples and then there's like, you know, new disciples that are made and then they go and start gatherings in their living room and maybe they're going to end up going to the big church or not. Um, it could be like that, right? Um, where, yeah, where it's like, is it a small group or is it like just a simple church, just a simple gathering of believers? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, just going back to your, to your healing story, because mm. I have... Uh, uh, I come from a similar place with, with not growing up with that. And then, but seeing that in people and, and drawing me and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just uh, what would you say to um, believers or just anybody that, 
that would hear these stories that you talk about and, and have doubt because oftentimes, and I've talked about this in other episodes, mm. oftentimes when we see spiritual stuff, our eyes can deceive us, right? And when we first see it, the doubt creeps mm. into people. So, you know, in the beginning, you had some doubt as you heard, mm. but you saw these people and you knew these people and you saw stuff happening, but even somebody could witness or be around you, uh, the lady with the headache, mm. but it's a headache. You can't see it. So mm. how, so what would you say to encourage Christians mm. about how what you're seeing is real? And it's not that it's Greg. It's like you said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, and mm. it's for them too. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, well, first of all, like I empathize with people who would be like skeptical or whatever, right? Because, you know, there's always that kind of voice in the back of the mind where it's like, was that just psychosomatic? You know, or like, is it, are you guys just kind of doing these psychology tricks similar to like hip, hypnotists and stuff? And, um, so, and the, the answer is no. Um, because, you know, you may be able to say that for like a headache or whatever. Um, but you know, when deaf ears, you know, start opening or blind eyes or people getting up out of wheelchairs where they haven't moved their legs in years, um, like that's not that's not like, you know, psychosomatic anymore. Um, like there's, there's like some power here and it's the power of the Holy spirit. Um, so, so what would I say? Like, you know, to, to someone who wants to get past doubt, um, I think, you know, like the, the teaching on identity is so key. I think, I think it's just coming back to the foundation of, you know, who we are and, you know, and, seeing to me, it's this simple. I just want to be like Jesus, <laughs> you know, and like he's in me, I'm in him. Um, he who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I just want to be like Jesus. And I realized, I realized one day that most of my life, I, I wanted to be like Jesus only in his character. I thought that's what it meant to be like Jesus was just be like him only in character stuff, but not be like him in other ways. Um, and, and I just, I just want to be like Jesus in every way. And, and, and I, I really believe that's what we're called to. So, so to get, to get passed out in any area, it really does just does take obedience. Um, and it, there's, it's all the way I see it. It's almost like if I'm in a season where I really fe- am feeling the doubt, then it's like, then it's like all the more I want to push past it and go and, uh, and ask somebody if I can pray for them. Oh yeah, I can, I'll second that push past the doubt. Yeah. And just, and just, you know, do right. Um, I think that, yeah, Jesus calls us to obey, you know, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And yeah, I I think when we just, when we do and see God, you know, I always think of it like with, with parenting, cause it's like, you know, if I tell my kids, Hey, you know, if you just keep eating candy all day, you know, you're, you're going to have a miserable evening and they can, they can doubt that and be like, yeah, right, dad, I'm just going to keep eating candy or they can listen and like, you know, they ate some vegetables and so they like felt better that day and we're, we're just God's kids and we, those are our two options, right? Yeah, right, dad. Um, or okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll eat some vegetables and see what happens. And then, and then at the end of the day, it's like, wow you know, it's, it's health, I'm healthier. Um, or wow, you know, um, God loves me. Um, or wow, God works today or wow, the spirit's on the move. 
And so we're only going to see, we're only going to see God if we walk, if we do what he says. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What are your hopes for the next six months, Greg? Um, Ooh, I like that question. (laughs) Um, well, like I'm involved in this every Disciple Sent effort that you guys are doing with Disciple of City and we're teamed up, right? Disciple of City and E3 and a couple other organizations. And oh man, the la- I've, I've been in Peterborough, this is day three or four. And the last couple of days we've just got rocked by the Holy Spirit, um, you know? And uh, so like what I want to see for the next six months is our nation experience God um, at a in a place and at a level that Canada has never experienced Him before? And uh, you know, we see these different revivals throughout history, where you know the Holy Spirit fell, and there were like thousands of people. Let's take like early eighteen hundreds, thousands of people in a forest just crying out for God, and many pe- many random people just standing out and speaking the word, and signs and wonders falling on people and everything. And um, and you know, w- one of the words as I was getting blasted by the Holy Spirit last night, one of the words I heard was Acts two and twenty twenty two, and uh, that's that's what I want to see is Acts two in twenty twenty two for our nation Canada. And I think it's going to happen through this Every Disciple Sent effort with these events and schools and video series. Well, thanks for that word, man. I'm getting all tingly now. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. With your word and the, and the hopes to see that in your word. Yeah. And I just love this song. Nathan and Jess, so good. Craig, thanks for taking the time coming on the show today and sharing. Really appreciate it, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Love you, bro. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our time with Greg today. And if uh, his stories of healing has stretched you, or if you have doubt, are you going to push through that doubt? We check out what it says in Scripture about our identity. And I found it interesting, too, about listening to the Father. Are we going to listen? Because if God's speaking to Greg, and he's speaking to me, he's also speaking to you, my friends. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out E3 Ministries. Check out Disciple of City, disciplecity.ca, and we're on the Instagram. Greg's a lovely man. If you want to see his face, check us out of the Toddcast underscore DAC. Thanks for listening, guys.